Have you noticed America has gotten meaner? Have you noticed that people are getting meaner, the villain asks in a Paramount Plus promo for their new show, Evil? What does it mean? asks the nice character. It means, says the evil character with a note of triumph in her voice, that your side is losing. And here we are. The lead of an above-the-fold story in yesterday's Washington Post lays it out. Quote, In the past 24 hours, there has been an uptick in the number of violent threats against lawmakers on the House Select Committee investigating the January 6, 2021 insurrection at the U.S. Capitol, and all lawmakers on the committee are likely to receive a security detail. End quote. We need to discuss the violence and threats of violence now endemic to the GOP because they signal a hopefully reversible but possibly terminal slide into fascism. Fascism is violence. Its philosophy is rooted in violence. The, def the domination of the many by the few, whether the main instrument of that domination is personal physical violence, the violence of great wealth or political power being used to destroy one's enemies, or unjustified violence inflicted by the state under color of law. But at its core, fascism is rooted in physical violence, intimidation, and murder. It's war brought into, politi into politics and governance. Violence like this has its own power and its own attraction. The media is drawn to it, making it the most powerful recruiting tool a fascist movement has. Insecure, frightened men and the occasional woman participating in fascist violence find a sense of agency, of individual power and meaning, a sort of orgasmic release from the ordinariness and and, and from a life of ordinariness and political impetus, impotence. And make no mistake, the GOP has become the party of political violence. Democrats treat the violence associated with today's Republican Party as if it were coming from outliers, as if it's a, a few bad apples, as if it's simply a troublesome weirdness on the extreme periphery of the conservative movement. We saw this in their response to the violence of January 6th, to the threats of violence directed at members of the January 6th committee, who are now getting security details, and to the frequent but scattershot violence that erupts across the country daily. Democrats watch threats of violence against school board members, against nurses and hospitals treating COVID, against abortion providers, against racial minorities and queer people who Republican legislators declare and try to put into law are less than human or aberrations that must not be tolerated in a free society. The media continues to largely ignore those frequent movements when fascist infiltrated police, the only group within our society who are legally authorized to use violence without consequence, overlook or overtly encourage the violence that breaks out when Americans dare stand up to fascist militias. It's the exception the media notes and moves on to the next story. In fact, these displays of violence and the willingness to use violence are declarations. They are statements of purpose. They're spoken and executed with pride. They are assertions by fascists that they intend to exercise violence and its power up to and including the ultimate, the power to take human life. Republicans in their media lionize Kyle Rittenhouse for showing up at a Black Lives Matter protest and killing two protesters. They celebrate police violence with thin blue line flags and wave the all-black U.S. flag that signifies the willingness to kill one's political opponents. They show up at protests heavily armed and wearing t-shirts evoking General Pinochet with the slogan, Free Helicopter Rides for Liberals. Their leader said there are very good people 
on both sides after his fascists murdered Heather Heyer. Republicans running for office feature guns or imply threats to kill people in their television and online advertising. Eric Greitens is just the latest in a long list of GOP shooters glorifying assault weapons and implying political violence. This is Kentucky Republican Thomas Massey's Christmas card. There's a picture there of of his card. These are all expressions of fascism. When men like Rusty Bowers and Brad Raffsenperger, who dared stop Trump's criminal attempts to steal the 2020 election, describe how they were and continue to be threatened with violence, elected Republicans fall silent. Arizona House Speaker Bowers endured violent threats outside his home through night after night as his daughter lay dying. This kind of violence is devoid of compassion. It is evil. Not a word from Rona Romney McDaniel Daniel, about the embrace of violence by the base of the Republican Party she leads. Not a word from congressional Republicans about the violence their own federal fellow conservatives now face. Not a word from Republican media other than to cynically mouth phony excuses and justifications. Because violence is now their brand. They revel in it. They boast of it in ways that are often misinterpreted as either hyperbole or jokes, like when Sharon Engel and others warned of Second Amendment solutions to Democratic efforts, or when Donald Trump said he could murder someone on Fifth Avenue and still get elected. Their fascist followers know better. These are proud statements of their willingness to use or endorse violence and carry explicit threats. Holocaust survivor Hannah Arendt wrote in The Origins of Totalitarianism, quote, The propaganda of totalitarian movements, which precede and accompany totalitarian regimes, is invariably as frank as it is mendacious, and would-be totalitarian rulers usually start their careers by boasting of their past crimes and carefully outlining their future ones. The Nazis were convinced that evil doing in our time has a morbid force of attraction, and experience has proved time and time again that the propaganda value of evil deeds and general contempt for moral standards is independent of mere self-interest, supposedly the most powerful psychological factor in politics. The attraction of evil and crime for the mob mentality is nothing new. It has always been true that the mob will greet deeds of violence with the admiring remark, it may be mean, but it is clever, end quote. When a nation goes fascist, it happens quickly. It takes people by surprise. In 1919, Benito Mussolini started out with 300 armed volunteers, his black shirts. They began by terrorizing gay men, striking union members, and socialists. The newspaper reports of their violence, beatings, and the occasional murder swept across Italy. Over the last three years, or excuse me, over the next three years, Mussolini's black shirt militia burgeoned to over 20,000 men. So when, on the last day of October 1922, he directly confronted King Victor Emmanuel III with the threat of violence, the king gave in, dissolved the government, and appointed Mussolini prime minister of Italy. No campaign, no election, just three years of unrelenting violence and the threat of more violence. Hitler rose to power on the wings of violence as well, first in the Beer Hall push, and later, when he became chancellor through his volunteer militia, the Brown Shirts, terrorizing gays, Jews, and union members. Paul von Hindenburg thought he'd set aside the violence, as promised, if Hitler was given the power he demanded. Hindenburg didn't understand fascism. Violence is the cardinal characteristic, the logo, the brand identity of fascism. Every fascist movement in history has lifted itself to power on the scaffold of violence. 
and then continues to rule with violence. Fascist media revel in the language of violence. They dehumanize the victims of their violence with words like invaders and vermin and illegals. To justify the violence at the heart of their movement, they squeal a phony claim to victimhood. They think Democrats are trying to take their tax dollars. They fear gays are trying to groom their children. They believe teachers are indoctrinating their youth in socialism. Violence, they say, is their only option. Over the past two decades, as this fascist movement has arisen in America and taken over the GOP, more than three-quarters of all politically motivated murders have been committed by right-wing, often Republican-aligned, terrorists. Terrorism is fascism. ISIS and al-Qaeda are fascist organizations, just like the various militias that attacked our capital on January 6th and today stalk our streets from the backs of pickup trucks while brandishing assault weapons. For the Republicans in Congress, this is not a problem until violence is threatened against one of their own. When a lone, mentally ill man calls police to confess he's hallucinating voices telling him to kill Brett Kavanaugh, legislation is passed within days to protect the court's justices. Two years earlier, when a men's right advocate, Roy, Van, uh, Roy Den Hollander, murdered the 20-year-old son of, just, uh, justice of Judge Esther Salas, and was carrying detailed plans to kill Supreme Court Justice Sonia Sotomayor next, Republican Senator Rand Paul blocked legislation in the Senate to provide federal judges with that protection. Not even one Republican objected to Paul's obstruction, and Mitch McConnell let it stand. Violence is their brand. When violence is threatened against a f the few remaining non-fascist Republicans, theoretically members of their own tribe, that's just fine with the base of voter fascists who now control the levers of power in the party. Just ask any of the Republicans who have testified before the January 6th committee or who voted to impeach Trump. Fascists justify their violence as necessary to protect their faith, their families, and the identity of their homeland. They will tell you it's the unfortunate last-ditch necessity provoked by the others who threaten our way of life. In reality, violence is not the fascists' final last-gasp option. It's their first it's their most powerful recruiting tool, showing, as it does, their dominance of society and society's institutions. It's how they cow dissent. It's the weapon that provokes action, and fascists are all about action. It creates chaos, and fascism needs chaos to tear down the existing structures of governance and law that they intend to replace. The final cause to which fascist violence is directed is what Jefferson and Hobbes called bellum omnium in omnia, War of all against all. Every murderous act is designed intentionally to bring society closer to breakdown so the fascists can openly kill their enemies, particularly people of color and liberals in the streets of the nation. It's why Tim McVeigh blew up the Oklahoma Federal Building in 1995, killing 168 people and injuring another 680. It appears to be what motivated both the Las Vegas shooter who killed 58 people and the Boston bomber. It was claimed by the Buffalo Killer of 20 at a supermarket and the 2019 El Paso shooter who murdered 23 people. It's the storyline of the two best-selling books within the militia movement, Camp of the Saints and the Turner Diaries. Each ends with mass slaughter, leaving a nation of pure white Christian survivors, most holding well-used assault rifles as they stand atop piles of bodies. Hannah Arendt, noted in her 1969 essay, Reflections on Violence, quote, The danger of the practice of violence, even if it moves consciously within a non-extremist framework of short-term goals, 
will always be that the means overwhelm the end. If goals are not achieved rapidly, the result will not merely be defeat, but the introduction of the practice of violence into the whole body politic. Action is irreversible, and a return to the status quo in case of defeat is always unlikely. The practice of violence, like all action, changes the world, but the most probable change is a more violent world. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi recently demanded the Republicans take back their party. So far, they're not listening. Every day that Republicans refuse to seize and root out the fascist violence now associated with their party is another day closer to a dystopia like the one through which Hannah Arendt lived. It can happen here.